House Podcast Network, keeping your finger on the pulse. It's time for episode 82 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. We're just around the corner to the upcoming baseball, softball, and soccer seasons. We're heading back to the skating rink and hitting the ice for upcoming conference tournaments. If it's happening in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio, it's on this podcast. This is the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform. Music from podsummit.com slash free music. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. You know, looking back at all the information I typed up for episode 82, I'm questioning if I can get all this material in under an hour. Well, the best thing to do is try, so... Let's talk about college basketball. Six Division One schools in Cincinnati and Dayton area, as you might know, and you might wonder how those six teams are faring. I don't blame you, as we'll start off with the Horizon League. Two teams in the Sunday area, NKU, Northern Kentucky, and Wright State. The Raiders went 1-1 this past weekend on the road, falling at UIC and winning at IUPUI. The Norse... Men's basketball team fell at IUPUI and UIC. So what does that do for the Horizon League standings? Well, the Norse are still on top at 8-3, and three, but that lead has been cut down to a game as Wright State and Oakland are tied for second place at 7-4. and four. In fact, this week is a big series as Wright State and Northern Kentucky will host Oakland and Detroit Mercy. Wright State got the win at Oakland, but fell at Detroit Mercy, as Antoine Davis has literally destroyed the rookie scoring mark in the HL, possibly at Detroit Mercy too. So that will be coming up Thursday and Saturday. The Raiders get Oakland first, and then Detroit Mercy and Norfolk, Kentucky will have the Titans in first, and then Oakland makes their way towards Cincinnati on Saturday. So again, big series. And something that could swing the tides of the standings. As the Norths take care of business at home, no sweat. That'll be their ninth and 10th conference win on the year. Wright State with the two wins up for grabs. That'll be their 8th and ninth if things play out at the Nutter Center. So again, Golden Grizzlies make the trip to Wright State this Thursday. And Northern Kentucky on Saturday. And Detroit Mercy will be at NKU Thursday. And Wright State Saturday. Now, for women's basketball, Wright State is doing quite well, and they are currently top in the Horizon League. Wright State is at 10-1. and They swept UIC and IUPU at home, but Norfolk, Kentucky also did that as well, sweeping IUPUI first, then UIC. Raiders are 10-1 and in the league, a game up on Youngstown State, which happens to be Wright State's only loss this season. It was a road loss, so Youngstown State will have to come up and play at the Nutter Center. And a game and a half up on Green Bay, which is the next foe for Northern Kentucky and the second to next foe for Wright State. Milwaukee's up first for the Raiders. And both those games happen to be in Wisconsin, which I don't care who you are. That's a tough place to play, Milwaukee and Green Bay. But if you're going to take the Horizon League crown, you got to win there. The Norths are currently tied for fifth with Cleveland State at six and five, and the Raiders are first place all alone at ten and one. Again, a game up on Youngstown State, 
a game and a half up on the Green Bay Phoenix, which are the perennial winners in women's basketball. And now we make the trip from Wright State and Norfolk, Kentucky in the Horizon League to the Dayton Flyers in the Atlantic 10. Great season so far, but both the women and men, both Flyers squads are 6-2 and two in the Atlantic 10. The men are a half game back of first, which is held by Davidson College and the Wildcats. And George Mason also tied with the Flyers as well. Flyers 7-2. and two. They're at St. Louis tonight, 5-4. and four. The Billikens in conference play. The Flyers, great win over St. Joseph's and a great triumphant comeback at home versus Duquesne. Duquesne, a very young but very solid squad as well. A very large lead for the Dukes most of that game, and then the Flyers came out and took it away. And with... The career-high breaking games at St. Joseph's and at home against Duquesne. Obi Toppin is the Rookie of the Week in the Atlantic 10. His career high was 25 points and 12 rebounds against St. Joseph's. Then he broke his career high with 26 points against Duquesne, along with four steals and two blocks. In those two games, he has averaged 25.5 points. And when you think Obi Toppin, you think of those mesmerizing dunks and the one between the legs that I believe got to Sports Center top ten. But yeah, Obi Toppin, special town for the Flyers. So definitely one to watch along with Josh Cunningham as well, who's leading the Flyers in offense. The women are six and two. They're a game and a half back of first with VCU and a game back of second place Davidson. The Flyers are coming off a road win at Rhode Island, 74-62. And the Flyers women will host Richmond this Wednesday, which will be tomorrow, the day of recording. So the Flyers are doing quite well. Now we make the trip to Oxford to talk about Red Hawks basketball and Red Hawks hockey. We'll start with men's basketball at MU. The Red Hawks got off to a tough start in Mid-American Conference play. They did not get some action. They lost the first four. But then Miami won three in a row. They won at home against Akron and Bowling Green, which happens to lead the MAC East. And a tough win at Ball State, a game that I was listening to after my call on WTGR in Ansonia. I was in the parking lot of a fast food joint in Greenville. Got to listen to Steve Baker call the last few minutes of that. It's a very good win for Miami. They did fall at home to Toledo, losing the regular season series to the Rockets, and I think that's now 12 straight losses in the hands of UT. But the Red Hawks rebounded with a road win at Eastern Michigan. The Red Hawks will be at Kent State tonight. Again, 4-5 and five in the Mid-American Conference, which is currently 5th in the East, ahead of 3-6 and six Ohio and the Bobcats. BG 7-1, and one, Buffalo 7-2. and two. And Toledo leading the West at six and three. The women Red Hawks are six and two in the MAC and fifteen and four overall. So the women Red Hawks have been balling, if you like to use terms from the youth, I guess. Yeah, the women's Red Hawks are doing quite well. Only conference losses were the first two or three games. A loss at Northern Illinois and a home loss to Buffalo. Currently on a five-game winning streak, and Eastern Michigan flies to Oxford tomorrow. The Red Hawks hockey team is struggling a little bit. 9-15-4, that's wins, losses, and ties, mind you. 
on the year. Actually, not ties. Uh, OT losses. Sorry. I'm thinking old school hockey, aren't I? Red Hawks 9-15-4 on the year and 3-11-2 in the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. Currently on an eight-game slide. The last win for the Red Hawks was December 30th against Guelph. And the last non-loss was to number 10 Providence on the road, which ended in a 3-3 tie. St. Cloud State is leading the NCHC at 12-2-2. And the Red Hawks are currently in last place, two points behind Omaha, who will fly into the Goggin Ice Center Friday and Saturday, and five points behind Colorado College. So the Red Hawks hockey team struggling a little bit, but... It's the only varsity hockey program in Southwest Ohio. You know, I was just at Goggin with the Centerville Elks. We got to play on the main rink on Saturday night. It was quite cool. It's my first time being in the main rink. Uh, the last time I was there was my first season covering Centerville, and we were at the auxiliary rink, which is nice. I'm not, you know, trying to say all oh, the auxiliary rink is stinks. No, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying, you know. Getting to see high school hockey and broadcasting it where the Red Hawks play, that's that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I was pretty happy about that. Now we make the way to Cincinnati to talk about the two remaining Division One teams in Division One basketball, Xavier and Cincinnati. We'll start off with the Musketeers. A tough year at XU as the Musketeer men are 11-12 and 12 overall and 3-7 and seven in the Big East. Currently on a five-game slide. You might know this is first-year head coach Travis Steele's opening debut as a head coach. The Musketeers are coming off a 76-54 loss at Creighton. And the last win for Xavier was versus Butler on January 13th. DePaul and the Blue Demons will make the trip to Cincinnati this Saturday night. Oh, by the way, you might wonder what's happening with former head coach Chris Mack. Well... He's doing pretty well at Louisville. Pretty well, I mean, outstandingly well in Louisville. So, very happy to see Coach Mack get an opportunity to coach in probably one of the toughest college basketball conferences out there in the ACC. The Musketeer men are currently in last place in the Big East. Half game away from Providence and one game back of Seton Hall, DePaul, and Butler. Yes, pretty much outside of Villanova and Marquette at 9-0 and and 8-1, and respectively. It's a pretty big logjam. So Xavier, they go on a positive slide. They go on a positive climb, rather. Not a positive slide. That's not a thing. Maybe it is, but it's not a thing to me. You talk about a winning streak, and that might push Xavier up all the way towards the top of the ladder. I mean, Villanova's Villanova and Marquette. Marquette's men's and women are doing extremely well, which we'll talk about now, as the women Musketeers are 11-11 overall and 2-9 in the Big East, which is for last place. Marquette's on top on the women's table at 10-0, and Xavier is coming off a 70-41 loss at St. John's. Xavier hits back on the buses, making the trip west to Indianapolis to take on Butler at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And lastly, for college basketball, Cincinnati. The Bearcats have made it to the AP Top 25 for the first time this season. And currently number 23 in the USA Today coaches poll. Cincinnati 19-3 overall and 8-1 in the American Athletic Conference. Tied for first with 
the number 12 Houston Cougars. Cincinnati making a two-game road trip to Memphis this Thursday, then to number 12 Houston on Sunday. Memphis, Penny Hardaway, his first year's head coach, citing times for the Tigers, about the middle of the pack. But Houston, like I mentioned, they're co-leading the AAC, and the Bearcats have to play a very stellar game, especially at home to the Cougars. The women's Bearcats are doing quite well as well. 14-8 and overall and 6-3 and in the American Athletic Conference, coming off a home loss to number 2 UConn. Before I say what the score is, try to picture what UConn does to most foes in the AAC and overall. Number two in the country, UConn Huskies. Strong program for pff, how long? I'm not sure. 65-55. That's the closest Cincinnati has played UConn since 2007. And also, UConn smashed Cincinnati at Stores, Connecticut, by at least 50. It was like 83-37, which would be less than 50, but you get my point. So yeah, great home battle for UC. Although the Bearcats didn't come off with a win. When you hold when you hold UConn to a 27-point clip in the second half, you've done something pretty well. Remember, women's basketball, it's quarters, not halves. Although technically it's still halves, but you play in 10-minute quarters. Not 20-minute halves like men's basketball. I still don't know if I like that change or not, but here we go. The standings in the AAC, UConn leads 8-0. And in second place, UCF at 8-1. UC is third at 6-3. So that's college basketball for you from the six Division I schools. We'll talk more Division II and Division Three and NAIA schools as time allows in the upcoming episodes, because you know what's around the corner. March Madness. So let's talk about sports that make you feel warm, because it's pretty warm the last few days. Coming off Sports Plus on Sunday, it was like 55 degrees, no clouds in the sky in Cincinnati, and beautiful sun. I was like, what is this weather? And how do we get this for the rest of the year? So soccer is starting up. Yeah. FC Cincinnati's first year in the MLS. Preseason bouts are already in the books. FC Cincinnati drew with Montreal in the Impact 1-1, but defeated the Colorado Rapids 1-0. All these games are friendlies, meaning they don't count, and it's just basically seeing what you have in terms of team. The next friendly for FC Cincinnati is Thursday against D.C. United at the IMG Academy. What, you thought this was in Ohio? Get real, it's supposed to get cold again later on in the week. I wish it was in Ohio, but what can we do? The first regular season bout is March 2nd at Seattle. Again, FC Cincinnati's first year in the MLS. And a brutal start for the 2019 campaign. You're at Seattle, and that was... That Century Link Stadium, and that was the place where was it Seahawks or Sounders? It's one of those two. The fans broke the decibels record for just being the loudest place for a sporting event. So yeah, Seattle loves them some Sounders. Which by the way, along with Seattle's women's team, the Seattle Rain, not to be confused with rain that falls from the sky, the rain of, you know, Eh, never mind. 
You might heard of this company, Zulily. And you might see the commercials. We see them from time to time on Hulu, my girlfriend and I. Zulily is now the sweater sponsor of the Sounders and the Rain. I think it's one of the first times that's happened in pro sports. So, kudos to you for Zulily. Although, I can attest the Dayton Dutch Lions men's and women's team had Coca-Cola on the front of their kits. Uh, what was that? A couple years ago? A couple seasons back? Maybe even 2017. More news than that later. Spoilers. So yeah, FC Cincinnati. Good start to the friendlies and lots to go. The last friendly will be against the Columbus crew. Sorry, crew and FC fans. It's not in Ohio. Although it'd be cool if it were. Again, both those teams will play for real in August. First in Columbus, then in Cincinnati. So yeah, soccer's right around the corner. You know what's right around the corner and doesn't require warm weather? Roller Derby. That's right, the Gem City Roller Girls are kicking back up this Saturday. The Lavender Haze, which in terms of what level that team is, that will be the C team or your newest skaters on the Lavender Haze. They'll take on the Silver Bridge Bruisers, which in case you're wondering where Silver Bridge is, well, that is covering a lot of ground in southeast Ohio and northwest West Virginia. You have Megs. Meigs? Meigs? I don't know how to say that. Hmm. Meigs, Vinton, Ross, Gallia, and Jackson counties in Ohio. Ross County would have Chillicothe, so there you go. That's right off 35. And also Mason County in West Virginia. So skaters from around that area, they're part of the Silver Bridge Bruisers Brigade. And they'll be the first opponent for the Gem City Roller Girls Lavender Hayes Squad. In roller derby, you can have different levels of skaters. The purple rain would be the top team for the Gem City Roller Girls, meaning your most veteran skaters get to play on that team, and that's your bouts in the women's roller derby league. The first bout will be Saturday at 5.30 at the Orbit Fun Center in Huber Heights. So, Roller Derby is back among us for the competitive season. There's also a recreation season, like when you stop playing for a spot in the playoffs, which, by the way, it's the Women's Roller Derby Association, not league. I messed up on that. I'm sorry. But... Competition season is here. Off season, you have, you know, recreation season where you're playing to stay in shape and, you know, playing for fun a little bit. So, again, it's at Huber Heights, the Orbit Fun Center, which is 5001 Nebraska Avenue. I highly recommend it as a one-time announcer. I don't know if I'll get another opportunity this upcoming season. And I would like to interview someone for an upcoming episode of the podcast, talk about Gem City, Roller Girls. But that's in the pipeline, and that'll come out when things get hammered away. There we go. We'll skip the hockey tournaments for now. They'll be the last things we talk about, which I know it's a little bit weird how I stack this up. That's actually one of the first things I put on my outline, and now we're going to save it for last. 
because that's coming up this week and I have a big part of it. We'll talk about the Dayton Dutch Lions. I did mention, spoilers, there's news. The big news is this. The Dayton Dutch Lions will field a women's soccer team again in the WPSL. The schedule is not out yet, but I can tell you the foes in the Ohio Valley Conference are as follows. The AAFC Lumberjills out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and also Detroit's Motor City FC. And in Ohio, you have the Cleveland Ambassadors, the Columbus Eagles, and the Cincinnati Sirens. Out of the Ohio Valley Conference from last year, you have the Indy States, the Steel City FC, Indiana's FC Pride, and the Empire Revs. Those teams are out, so that is a lot of turnover from one of the biggest conferences in the WPSL. Again, the women's schedule is not out yet. Once it comes out, I'll share it on this podcast. Your home bouts for the Dayton Dutch Lions starts off with May 18th against the Cincinnati Dutch Lions, May 25th against West Virginia Alliance FC, which is the former West Virginia Chaos franchise, and also another West Virginia Alliance FC battle on my birthday, June the 5th, that Wednesday. June 16th, we'll have Dayton host Chicago United FC, and on the 19th as well. On June 28th, it will be the Cincinnati and Dayton battle at West Carrollton High School's Dock Stadium. And to close out the home bouts, Dayton will host the Flint City Bucks July the 10th. So talk a little bit about what's new in this Great Lakes division of the USL League 2. Well, first off, it's now the USL League 2 and not the PDL. Their logo reminds me, I think MTV2 still has it. I haven't had cable in years. No, have I watched MTV since high school. Let's let's be real. Anyway, you know the MTV2 logo, which is two squares? It kind of reminds me of that, except the fonts don't change because it's a static logo. So in the Great Lakes Division, Cincinnati's back in it. They finished third last year. The Flint City Bucks are the former Michigan Bucks team, which really surprised me. I know they moved to Flint, but Michigan's been in the PDL slash League 2 for a long, long time. I'm, we're talking 90s here, and they've been one of the most successful teams around here in the 2. So the rebrand, everything, that's that's a big shock. That's They're stripping away their green and orange colors for... Navy, red, and gold, I believe. They want to re-identify themselves with Flint, which I get, and I dig that. And they'll play at Kettering University's Atwood Stadium. Kettering took over the classic field, which was also one-time home of Michigan Flint's football team. I don't think they field that team anymore, but it was Wright State that got to play at Atwood Stadium a long, long time ago. Chicago SC United will be making the move from the Heartland Division into the Great Lakes. And they finished second last year. They beat Dayton in the playoffs. Lansing United rebranded as Lansing Ignite and then moved to USL League One, which is a step up over League Two. You might know that because one is a smaller number than two. The full 2019 schedule can be seen at DD 
lfc.com. Again, your home bouts May 18th against Cincinnati, May 25th, and June the 5th against West Virginia Alliance FC. Again, the former Chaos franchise. June 15th and 19th against Chicago United FC. June 28th against Cincinnati. And July 10th against Flint City. For the Cincinnati Dutch Lions, your first home bout will be May the 10th against the West Virginia Alliance. And May 15th against the Flint City Bucks. By the way, all the home games for Dayton will be at Dock Stadium in West Carrollton. And all the home games for Cincinnati will be at Northern Kentucky University. That soccer stadium is quite dynamite. I love that place. The next home game for Cincinnati will be May 31st against West Virginia, June 7th against FC United, which I'm guessing is Chicago, and June the 9th, that Sunday, against the Dayton Dutch Lions. A home match on June 21st against Dayton, and the last one of the regular season will be against the Flint City Bucks on June 30th at 7. That's a Sunday. For the entire schedule with the road games, you can go to cdlfc.com. By the way, one last piece of news for the Dutch Lions. Dayton will be part of the 2019 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Since the Dutch Lions of Dayton clinched the playoff spot last year, winning the Great Lakes Division, they'll be part of the U.S. Open Cup. The schedule... The format and schedule have been finalized. The tournament kicks off May 7th and 8th with modern era record number of professional clubs entered and the winners of fourth qualifying round on April 6th and 7th will compete in the big field of the Open Cup. This is from the United States Soccer Federation website. And there will be 10 teams out of the USL League 2 starting with Black Rock FC out of Connecticut. From Texas, the Brazos Valley Cavalry FC, Dayton. The Des Moines Menace out of Iowa, FC Golden State Force out of California. From Florida, the Lakeland Tropics, the New York Red Bulls U23, the Reading United AC out of Pennsylvania, South Georgia Tormenta FC2, the Villages SC out of Florida, which I guess it'd be soccer club. I was saying South Carolina for a second. And that's your 10 teams out of the USL League 2, formerly the Premier Development League. Again, you can find all this stuff on the United States Soccer Federation. and Also, the Dayton Dutch Lions have tweeted about it as well. You can follow them on Twitter, Dayton Dutch Lion. And Cincinnati at Cincinnati DLFC. By the way, the finalized schedule won't be out until April the 10th. So you got a little bit to see where Dayton will be playing in the Open Cup. Maybe that'll be a home match at West Carrollton. That would be pretty dynamite. And now we move from one type of artificial turf to another in football. And it's finally official. Zach Taylor is the 10th head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. See, I thought it would have been more than 10, especially in the 90s where it felt like it was a coaching carousel of all the failures and everything. That was a rough decade. But Zach Taylor coming off as the quarterback's coach of the Los Angeles Rams. You might have seen him in 
that game, also known as the Superb Owl game, where the Rams fell 13-3 to the New England Patriots. A game where everyone's like, oh my god, it's the worst ever. There's no offense. It's it's an awful game. You do know that defense is part of games, right? Right? There's two sides of the ball. Offense is one. That's how you win games, by points. Defense is not allowing the other team to score points. Which... L.A. got their lone points off a long field goal by Zerline. That guy has a beast of a leg. Six rings for Tom Brady and New England Patriots, too. How about that? That ties New England with Pittsburgh for most Super Bowls won. And then the day after, I see a lot of Detroit Lions stuff saying, we're still undefeated in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but... You haven't been to a Super Bowl. So there's that. Can't really claim undefeatedness in Super Bowls when you haven't reached that point. In fact, the last Lions championship was pre-Super Bowl era. So there you go. Also, I realized I said the SB phrase a lot, and I hope this doesn't get a cease and desist or taken down. They warn podcasters not to use that phrase. So, yeah, that's why I said Superb Owl. Then I just start rambling off. This is why I saw on Twitter, because that makes a good podcast episode. So, yeah, Zach Taylor, head coach, looking at Jack Del Rio for a defensive coaching job. And I can't wait to see what the coaching staff looks like. Talk a little about, about it once some of the hires are made. And before you're wondering, Jack Del Rio, really? Well, think about it like this. The Rams have Sean McVay, a young guy, and Wade Phillips as the D.C., an older, more veteran guy behind the lines. I mean, who's to say he'll work in Cincinnati, but that's not an awful suggestion. You might wonder, you know, Zach Taylor, you know, the guy that was in charge of Jared Golf, who probably had maybe his worst game and looked back on his form under Jeff Fisher. Give the guy a chance. The Rams made it to the Super Bowl. And give the Patriots a lot of credit because defense wins championships. So there you go. Although I said, yeah, the offense wins points. But never mind. Superb Bowl. Superb Bow. Who won the Puppy Bowl or the Kitten Bowl? Someone tell me that. Let's go to baseball. First up, college baseball starts next Friday. Can you believe it? Of course, not around here. The weather's going to be too awful. But Wright State and Dayton season starts next Friday. And I believe the Flyers are in South Carolina. The Raiders have brand new Nike baseball jerseys. And one of them is a pullover. It looks like a pullover. So, hey, I'm going to miss the gold and the greens those jerseys that Wright State had. I don't know if those are going away. Actually, I don't think those were Nike, so I think they might, but still those jerseys were awesome. And new jerseys that Wright State has, I retweeted them yesterday, and I dig them. So can't wait to see those. Can't wait to see all the improvements to Warner Field at DPNL Stadium. One of the improvements is the stadium has a name again, Dayton Power and Light. 
the makers of the most obnoxious broadcasting trio I've ever seen in my life. We get it. You act like broadcasters. My girlfriend laughs at me because I really hate those. I really hate those commercials because those three are just the worst. So there you go. But yeah, Warner Field, the outfield walls have been painted blue, just like the Flyers colors, with a red border saying, hey, this is a home run. Hey, this is a double type of thing. And I think the foul poles were painted, although I don't remember. But I can't wait to get the season started. I mentioned season starts next Friday for both the Raiders and the Flyers. The first home game won't be until March the 5th. Flyers host Purdue Fort Wayne. Of course, that depends on if Warner Field is, you know, wet. It's a natural grass field after all. But yeah, I can't wait. I love college baseball season, especially when it warms up and it's not freezing and I don't have to wear 26 different layers. College softball season starts this Friday for Wright State and this Thursday for Dayton. And no, again, it's not in the state. Most of the northern colleges have to go down south or west to play. Unless you're in... I think Rosemont, Illinois has a bubble. You have to be in like... Can you imagine how big that thing is to hold a softball field? Let alone a complex? It's insane to think about. But yeah. Spring sports start this Thursday. This Friday. Can you believe that? We'll keep it with baseball before we jump back into hockey. First for the Reds. They recently signed veteran left-hander Zach Duke to the bullpen. And also currently vying for the services of catcher JT Realmuto out of Miami. The trade, I mean, Realmuto is a quality catcher, but you also got Tucker Barnhart. Now, will Barnhart win you a World Series? I don't know. I like Barnhart, and I think he's a good catcher. He's a good backstop for pitchers to have. But... I really love the fact that the Reds are staying in with it. Although I just read Cincinnati's now the running of the Dallas Keuchel sweepstakes, which, eh, it happens. You're not going to win all the services. You're a mid-market team, a small market team, and you just have to build a quality team. I think Cincinnati's doing that. Now, some of the trades that I've heard about real mutos to... Cincinnati would have to be for Barnhart, maybe Jonathan India thrown in there too, which I, I did like Jonathan India. He struggled a little bit in single A ball, but you got to remember he started off the year in college baseball, which again starts next week and then continued on until September because the Dragons didn't make the playoffs last year. It was, it was disappointing. They had a good start in the first half. Second half was bleh. So we'll see if the Reds win the Real Muto sweepstakes, but I do like the fact that they are trying. I like the fact they're trying to build a quality team, and that trade to get rid of Homer Bailey, bringing Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp, uh, I like that. I mean, I do. And also Alex Wood, too. How can I forget about Wood? He'll be part of the pitching staff. I just hope that the Reds do try to find more starting pitching. Because I think the bullpen is okay. The offense, the lineup, I'm not worried about that. 
I know there's a big question mark in center field if it's going to be Quag or Kemp or even Nick Senzel, which I'm very glad the Reds didn't get rid of him, although there's some people who's like, get rid of Senzel. For what? So there's your little talk about the Reds. By the way, pitchers and catchers report next week, the 12th, which will probably be the next time I record this podcast. Catchers and pitchers reporting to Arizona for the Reds. Now we talk about the Dayton Dragons. The roster won't be finalized until sometime next month, but 20 years in the Gem City. That's a big cheers to the Dayton Dragons. They've always done things the right way, trying to cater to family and fans, a cheap ticket, some good quality entertainment, and you know, a solid baseball team here in, here out. Although the Dragons really don't have a lot of playoff success and they're 20 years in Dayton, or they're 19 years, I should say, this being their 20th. But Dayton has done it right. Now, to start off the 20th year of Dragons baseball in downtown Dayton, there's going to be a 20th season celebration game Saturday, March 30th at 2. And it will be the Dragons 2019 squad against Dragon alums. Which, no, the full roster hasn't been announced, but there are five that have been picked. And there's some names I really, really like here. Taylor Trammell, which I hope he becomes a Cincinnati Red. He was also listed in a couple trade talks, and I'm like, no, don't get rid of him. Chris Oakey is a catcher. Taylor Trammell is an outfielder. Outfielder TJ Friedel, catcher Tyler Stevenson, and infielder Jonathan India. That's going to be... Some of the Dragon alums facing against Team 20, or hashtag Team 20 for the Dragons. Again, that's all at 5th 3rd Field. I'm just going to say 5th 3rd Park for a minute. I don't know why. But luckily I didn't say 5th 3rd Arena, home of the UC Bearcats, because that would be stupid, because it's not an arena, it's a field. So yeah, Dragons celebrating their 20th year in Dayton. I am quite psyched about that. And now... It's time to talk about the high school hockey conference tournaments happening this week and this weekend. The one I'm involved with the most will be the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League tournament, which starts this Thursday at Northland against number four Alter and number five Elder, and then moves entirely to South Metro Sports for seven of the last eight games. I cannot wait because I get to see all 10 teams again. All 10 teams are involved in the tournament bracket. Six teams will be in the red division bracket, while four teams are in the gold division bracket. Just to tell you the standings of the Swashel, as it's lovingly said, because that is a lot of letters to say in a quick amount of time on these YouTube broadcasts, let's be real. The Red Division has the lone team going 13-0 and in conference play, and that would be the Cincinnati St. Xavier Bombers, 13-0, and and St. X scored a grand total of 111 goals while only letting up 13. Yeah, St. X's team is very good. In second place in the red division, which is the stronger division of the two, or considered the stronger division of the two, Oxford Talawanda. The Braves had a very nice season, 10 and 3 on the year. My Centerville Elks went 7 and 6 in 13 games. The injury bug bit Centerville pretty hard in the middle of the season, but that's a group of strong kids. Had nine skaters at one point. Now it's back to 10 with the 
two goalies. So a bit of a small squad, but you know what? The people that are on that squad, they're awesome. And I got to know the Elks. So why say my, I say it because I travel with Centerville. And I broadcast mostly Centerville games. So it's still me being, you know, neutral, if you will. But that's, you know, that's the hockey team I spend the most time with in the winter. Fourth place are the Alternites. Six and seven went Kevin Barry's night squad. And in fifth place, the Elder Panthers went one and twelve. Elder graduated a lot of talent last year. In fact, the last two years, Elder was the squad to beat along with St. X. Elder won the regular season red division title, but then fell in the championship game to St. X, who won that 8-1. to That was quite the game for St. X. Like I mentioned, St. X 13-0 in league play. Elder went 1-12. Their lone win was against Mason. And with Elder being in fifth place... They will be dropping down to the Gold Division and moving up to the Red Division next year, winning the Gold Division quite handily, suffering their only loss in conference play just Sunday to St. X, the Beaver Creek Beavers. It's a very talented Beaver Creek squad at 12-1, 95 goals scored for the Beavers, while only 16 went against their goalies. Second place in the gold, the Troy Trojans. Again, about the same story as Centerville, a small squad, but the players that they do have for head coach Phil Knowles' team, quite solid. Very strong Troy squad, 7-6. and six. Tied for third and getting more goals for third place, the LaSalle Lancers, the probably the most improved team out of the Swashel. And I'm saying that because LaSalle last year had, I think I said nine on the broadcast. It might have even been seven. It was a team last year that didn't win a single conference game, and LaSalle went 4-8-1. and one. That's Four wins, eight losses, and one tie, or draw, if you will. LaSalle scored 41 goals, and Sycamore also finished 4-1 in conference play, but the Aves only scored 31 goals. And in fifth place in the gold division, Mason went 0-13, a rough year for the Comets team. But you know what? They played every single game, so definitely hats off. That's 10 talented teams, and all but one game will be at South Metro Sports, the Thursday game will be at the Northland Ice Center in Cincinnati, and I'll have all the action for you on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon for the exact channel and the exact links as well. So again, Beaver Creek will be in the red division next year, meaning for St. X, Talawanda, Centerville, and Alter, that's a home-and-home. And that's actually quite nice, too, especially for Alter, because Beaver Creek and Alter share the Kettering Ice Arena. It's nice for Centerville because that's a short road trip. It's all right for Talawanda. That's the westmost team in the Swashel. I mean, you get to host Beaver Creek and then go to Kettering. And St. X, it's not the worst. For the gold next year, it'll be Elder, Troy, LaSalle, Sycamore, and Mason, which are great for the Cincinnati squads. But for Troy, that means you got four trips to Cincinnati. And for the Cincinnati teams, you have a trip to Hobart Arena which Hobart Arena is beautiful, but the trip to Troy is kind of long, especially if you hit downtown Dayton traffic. What am I talking about? You have to hit downtown Cincinnati traffic as well, so, eh. I mean, the traffic's not great, but Troy is beautiful. So, again, 
St. X, Talawana, Centerville, Alter, Elder in the red. And Gold, Beaver Creek, Troy, LaSalle, Sycamore, and Mason. Your actual tournament bracket looks like this. We'll start off with the Gold Division. Again, there's only four teams. If you finish first in the Gold, you are the sixth seed in the Red Division bracket. And that's to help out, you know, the evenness of the tournament. Meaning for Gold, you have two semifinal games and then for the gold championship we'll start off with gold as number one troy will battle number four mason that will be at south metro sports on february 8th which is that friday at 8 30 and then on the 9th at nine o'clock number two LaSalle will take on number three sycamore in the battle of cincinnati the winner of those two games will play for the gold division cup on the 10th at 1 30 that 10th is a Sunday, by the way. For the red division bracket, number one, St. X, and number two, Talawanda, get first-round buys. And it will be number three, Centerville, taking on number six, Beaver Creek. That game will be February 8th, a Friday at 6.30 at South Metro. That will be on the Centerville Elks Hockey Channel, which you can find easily. Just search Centerville Elks Hockey in the search bar, and there you go. And Thursday, we'll have number four, Alter, taking on number five, Elder, at Northland Ice Center, which I always see it wrote as Northlands. Why is it called Northlands? It's Northland Ice Center. There's no sign in or around the building that says Northlands. I don't get it, but someone can explain that to me a little later. The winner of... Actually, I'm not sure if the teams reseed. But St. X will probably take on the lowest remaining seed and Talawanda the highest. On the brackets, it shows the winner of Centerville Beaver Creek taking on St. X. And that will be the ninth at five at South Metro. And the winner of Alter Elder will take on Talawanda that game at seven on the ninth, right after the St. X game. The winner of the semifinal Reds play for the Red Division Cup at 3.30 that Sunday. And that will be on YouTube as well. That's the last game of the tournament as well. So there you go, your Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League Championship Bracket. It's released. You can follow them on Twitter at SWOHSHL. And now we'll talk about the Capital Hockey Conference. Now, as you might know, I continuously talk about Capital Hockey Conference being... All but two teams from the Columbus area. It got underway in 2003, and Springboro joined in 2016. A lot of these schools in the CHC, if they're the older teams, like older being around longer, they play in the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League first. That's the oldest of the two. But then the capital was born to give Columbus, you know, their own home. Springboro and Moeller are your representatives outside Columbus in the capital. And your standings looked like this. Your red division, Dublin Jerome with 28 points. The Celtics are the red division regular season winners, 14-1. and one. I mean, Dublin Jerome last year went to the Final Four in the state hockey bracket. It's amazing how strong they are. Olentangy Liberty, another strong season for the Patriots, 11-2, one draw, one overtime loss for 24 points. Upper Arlington, third place for 22 points, 11 and 4. The Golden Bears, New Albany, 7, 4, 1 and 3. 18 points for fourth place in the red. St. Charles, fifth place, 7, 6, 1 and 1. And Moeller, 
went 6-6-1-2. and two. A rough weekend for Cincinnati Moeller. They fell to Liberty and Jerome in Springfield to close out the regular season. Now, with Moeller's losses, that puts Cincinnati Moeller back in the white division next year because like the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League, you'll have your shakeup of the divisions. But because there's three divisions in the capital, then you have a little bit more of a shakeup. So Moeller will be going back down to the white division. And then in the white division, Olin Tangi, the Braves will be in the red division next year. Ten and six went Olin Tangi. Olin Tangi Orange went nine and seven because the Pioneers moved up one game above Dublin Kaufman, who finished in third place at eight and eight. Moeller will not be in the championship bracket of the Capital Hockey Conference Blue Jackets Cup. That's their tournament, their conference tournament. Because Kaufman went to third and the last seed in the championship is based on who wins the red six versus white three, that's because Kaufman won that first battle. I think it was, what, five to three? It was something really close. The Shamrocks will be playing in the championship bracket. Dublin Kaufman went eight and eight for third place. Springboro went five, ten, and one. A very youthful Springboro team. They did have a nice win against Olentangy Orange, quote-unquote, at home. It was at South Metro, but it's supposed to be in Columbus during that really nasty winter storm. And Bishop Larson, 5-10 and one overtime loss. And that will put the Eagles back in the Blue Division. The Blue Division, six teams. Thomas Worthington will be moving on up to the White Division. The Cardinals went 9-3, and one for 21 points. They'll be making the way up to the white division. However, none of the blue division teams will be playing in the championship bracket. Olentangy Berlin, their first year as a hockey program and first year as a high school. The Bears went 8-5-1-1. That's quite impressive. Also in their first year, Columbus Academy went 8-7 for third place in the blue. Quite nice for the Vikings for 16 points. St. Francis of Sales went 4-9-0-2. Gehanna Lincoln 2-12-1. And their first year back in varsity status, Dublin Sciota, 2 and 13. So that's your standings. Again, you can find all this capitalhockeyconference.com. So your championship bracket, your varsity division Blue Jackets Cup looks like this. You had to finish in the top five in the red, or if you were in sixth place in the red, you had to beat the third place white division team. And Moeller did not do that. So for the consolation, Moeller will take on the winner of Gehanna Lincoln and Dublin Sciota. Most of these games are at the Ice House, which is the Ohio Health Ice House, the side rink to Nationwide Arena. There's some games that aren't. We'll cover those as they come along. Gehanna Lincoln and Sciota will be at the Dublin Chiller starting this Wednesday. Winner of that game takes on Moeller. And then at the Chiller North One Rink, Olentanger Berlin, number 13, takes on number 12, Thomas Worthington. Bishop Larson takes on number 14, Columbus Academy at the Ice House Friday. Springboro has the sales at the North One Rink Friday at 8. And then it will go on. The winners of the semifinal bouts will play for the Constellation Championship at 2 o'clock Sunday at the Ice House. The championship bracket has number one, Dublin Jerome, facing off against number eight, Dublin Kaufman. Number four, New Albany, has number five, St. Charles. Number three, Upper Arlington, has number six, Olentangy Liberty. 
And at the fairgrounds, which I didn't realize they still had ice, that's the first home of the Columbus Chill, if you like hockey history. Number two, Olentangy Liberty has number seven, Olentangy Orange. The winners of Dublin Jerome, Dublin Kaufman, New Albany, St. Charles will play at the Ice House. Winners of Upper Arlington, Olentangy, and Liberty Orange will play at Easton's Chiller. And the winner of those semifinals will play at the Ice House on the 10th at 4 for the championship champion. And that's your Blue Jackets Cup, and that's your CHC Conference Tournament. Now, how does this affect districts, which will be drawn tomorrow, which I thought about just holding it off until that was announced? It doesn't affect it. Because all the teams that are high school level get to play in the state tournament. Meaning no matter how well you finished, if you hoist the championship cup, you get to play. Now, Dublin Jerome's looking to get past the final four and be the Southwest Ohio and Central Ohio's first state title winner since 1979 when Centerville did it. That's right. All your state title hockey champs are in the northern quadrant of Ohio. None in Columbus and one in Southwest Ohio being Centerville's back in the 70s. I mean, some of the fans I talked to for Centerville tell me about the time where everyone had ice hockey. I was like, man, I grew up in the wrong era. Invent YouTube back then and you got yourself you got yourself someone broadcasting that. I I'm I'm a little sad with these tournaments coming up because that means high school hockey is officially heading into the postseason and that's it. That's hockey season. I mean, I know I got the Buckeye year-end tournament to broadcast and I got the Kentucky High School Hockey Tournament in Louisville this year, but it, it's still sad because hockey, it's the sport that I've been broadcasting the most these past few years. And since a lot of my opportunities have dried up, it's it's been the sport that people recognize me for. I mean, a lot of fans always stop by and say how well I do, which, which is always nice. It always puts a smile on my face. But it's, it's about these athletes. I mean, the media hardly covers ice hockey in Cincinnati and Dayton. And it, it stinks because of the fact that it's such a great sport. How can you not love hockey? I mean... Heck, my mom, who's celebrating a birthday today, she didn't like sports until I took her to a Dayton Demons game. She's like, wow, I love hockey. And just, she's been a Blue Jackets fan ever since. It's It's been nice. Well, except the Blue Jackets not doing well in the playoffs part, but you get my drift. So yeah, high school hockey is wrapping up. And I know girls' basketball's brackets have been introduced out there. Boys' basketball, I think this week maybe and we'll dedicate an episode for that and that will do it that's episode 82 and I covered every single thing that I talked about in pre-editing about 55 minutes that's pretty ace that's pretty awesome because this was like a three page outline I typed it's hard to believe spring is around the corner I mean it's not with this weather I mean all the snow's melted but it's supposed to get cold again, what, Thursday? So, yeah. Winter is closing down. Spring is on the way. And I'm just happy to be part of the ride. Well, thank you for listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Again, 
If there's sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio, it's on this podcast. Next week, who knows? It could be an interview. There could be another update episode. Could be both basketball brackets. Who's to say until I decide what I want to talk about? This has been the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcasting Network. Again, you can download the Pulse Podcast Network app on Google Play and the App Store and visit PulsePodcastNetwork.com. You can listen to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and a heaping of other sports podcasts on there as well. It's a good bunch of people that I'm associated with and it's quite nice to be part of the network. So that will do it. That's episode 82 in the books. Again, happy birthday to my mom. And happy February. I always have a hard time trying to wrap up episodes because I want to, you know, go out with a splash. And it's always like, yeah, that's the end. Episode 82 in the books. Pulse Podcast Network. This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T H E L E E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.